from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamitra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week, we're talking about the Super Bowl and the halftime show and why we owe Janet Jackson a huge apology. We'll also be talking about Leonardo DiCaprio, but in 1998. And we're going to play a fun little game that I like to call Coulter Dash. You'll find out what that means a little later. Ooh, intrigue. <laughs> Let's start with the Super Bowl because it's right around the corner. Uh, some yeah. people care about that. Some people do. And in our editorial meeting, some behind-the-scenes knowledge for you listeners, we were going around the table like, okay, who knows about the Super Bowl? Who knows about football? Um, answer, zero percent. Uh, blank stares yep. all around. So, yeah, we don't know about football. But what I do know about is how sexist, scary, and insane, the uproar around Janet Jackson's halftime show was. But before we get into all of that, mm-hmm. some history for you about the halftime show. Ooh. So back in 1992, mm-hmm. the halftime show was boring as hell. That year, the headliners were Dorothy Hamill and Brian Boitano. Who that? Ooh. You don't know who that is? No. Oh, they are figure skating royalty. No. With interesting haircuts. I am so shocked you knew that. because <laughs> You know that I was a figure skating person. I thought it was Debbie Thomas when I was a kid. I was all about it. Unsurprisingly, 10 million people who were watching switched over to In Living Color because it yes. was boring. Yes. I do not blame them. So the next year, the show's producers were like, okay, we need to figure something out. And they're like, we got it. It should be like an extravaganza concert featuring none other than... Janet's brother, Michael Jackson. Hello. So that was the beginning. So he revolutionized the halftime show and made it like a must-see thing. And the last moments of his halftime show in 1993 was the most viewed in history up until that point. So change the game. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Michael. I have no idea about any of this. So educational, this podcast. I'm still stuck on the Brian Boitano and Dorothy. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to, I, I I need YouTube clips. I will do some research after this show. Well, guess what? YouTube was created because people were looking for this Janet Jackson moment. And the creator of YouTube said that moment catalyzed his whole company. Because really? there was a true? demand. That's incredible. Yeah. People were like, I need to see this moment. I missed it. Mm-hmm. I stepped away. Yeah. yeah. And, and TiVo was a big thing back then. And, and they got all these subscribers because they had heard of like, oh, well, you can just press this replay button and see anything on live television and replay it as much as you want and record it and whatever. So everyone was trying to see Janet Jackson's nipples. Exactly. <laughs> so her breast was revealed for 9 16th of a second <gasps> to an estimated 143 million people. No big deal. You'd never seen one before. Here's the thing. She killed her part. She did Rhythm Nation. She did All For You. Mm -hmm. She did her part. And then Justin came on to do a song. And he was trying to, like, shed his, like, good and sync image. But he comes on to sing Rock Your Body. And he says the line, Mm. Better have have you naked naked by the end of this song. song. Boom. And then he (laughs) was supposed to rip the bustier to reveal a red lace bra. Sha, sha, sha. Like that. But both came unattached. This was the beginning, I think, of the phrase wardrobe Wardrobe malfunction. malfunction. You guys are correct. Coined it. Because he apologized and used that term specifically, and we say it now, and it seems like it's always been around, but no. Yeah. Yeah. It started with Justin apologizing, although he didn't have to apologize because people didn't get mad at him. 
They really didn't. No, they burned Janet at the stake. Yeah, everyone got super pissed at Janet and never mentioned Justin in any mm-hmm. of these articles. For example, the Washington Post, Tony Kornheiser wrote, What Janet Jackson did was bizarre, deliberately flopping out of her costume like that. <gasps> deliberately flopping out of her costume like that as if there was not a hand. Nope. Well, the I hand had... of God ripped it from her bosom. <laughs> it was the Maradona <laughs> what, moment. What an insurance company. It was an act of God. And yes. She, an act of God ripped no. her from her oh my breast. God. Well, first of all, I object to the term flopping. Right? I really do. That is not a term that should be used in conjunction with Miss Janet, if you know. Okay. She, yeah. Nothing on her is flopping. Yeah. So Justin's response to getting off scot-free oh, I this. is, quote, I probably got 10% of the blame, and that says something about society. I think that America's harsher on women, and I think that America is, you know, unfairly harsh on ethnic people. Unquote. I'm going to continue to use her brother's moves and pop lock out of this conversation. <laughs> right? And moonwalk right on into my career and leave it at that. And also before this, there were all these dating rumors about the two of them being linked. And it helped him be like a solo star and get out of the boy band thing. And then once this happened, he like left her out to dry and was exactly like mm-hmm. you said, did her brother's move and just whoop, 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 right out of there. So... This whole treatment of Janet has had some people saying that her first crime was being a woman. Mm. Yeah. She should have realized. Her second crime was being a black woman. Oh, yeah. And get this. In a 2009 study for the journal Women's Studies and Communication, Shanna L. Holland of Clemson University brings up the Jezebel stereotype, Mm -hmm. which, for those of you who aren't as woke as you'd like to be. (laughs) And there's still time. (laughs) There's still time, and you're in the right place. We got you. The Jezebel stereotype is depictions of black women as lustful, promiscuous, immoral, which were in the past used by white slave owners to justify forcing slaves to procreate and as a legal defense against raping black women. Jesus Christ. Mm. And an abolitionist by the name of James Redpath wrote that slave women were, quote, gratified, by the advances of the Saxons. So all this to say that history's impact is far-reaching and we think, oh, we're so evolved. But the effects of slavery and awful stereotypes like that can be seen in something like this, a televised situation that it was a mess up. Why are we tarring and feathering her over something that wasn't her fault? And wait, how long do you think it actually took her to, to come back from this as if there was something that Until had to come back from? Until last year. I feel like for a long time, I don't know if people still feel that way, but I feel like for a long time it was sort of like a black mark on her. Oh, beyond. Like on her image. Because well, you can't trust her on television. Yeah, and we didn't discuss the fact that there were new FCC regulations put in place after this happened. Mm-hmm. So the Super Bowl used to be a live televised event. Most things were live televised events. Then they implemented, I think it's like a three-second delay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you can't watch it live anymore because they need to make sure that they can catch some random boobs flopping out if that happens. But the bigger question is why in this society are we afraid of human anatomy? It's a breast. Right. So after the halftime show, Janet was disinvited from that year's Grammys. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Justin was not only allowed to attend, but he performed. Uh. Huh. She was also blacklisted from radio and music video channels like MTV and VH1 for the next several years, leading to multiple album flops because MTV was mad that she put them in a situation where the halftime show was taken away from them. Like everybody just basically abandoned her. Oh, because yes. they lost money. Everybody mm-hmm. would ticked off about that. Yeah, she's flopping all over the place because no one will play her music or show her videos. Meanwhile, 
Justin gets to be goofy on SNL and become a movie star. Mm-hmm. Ugh, not a so, very good one at that. Yeah, yeah. Beep in a Box. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one was good. <laughs> so I think Macklemore needs to write a White Privilege 3. There are a lot of apologies that are owed oh, to Miss Jackson. And, you know, maybe we need to organize our own little protest at this year's Super Bowl to get them. <laughs> we need to have the flash mob of Justin Bieber sorry and dance it in front of her house or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry for being sexist a couple years ago. But here's the thing. There was never any acknowledgement still to this day I don't think that ever there has never been an acknowledgement about like okay remember that time we completely we goofed overreacted (laughs) when one of our major pop stars who has given us so many gems had a wardrobe like it really was a wardrobe malfunction and even if it wasn't if the woman wanted to pull her boob out it wasn't a big deal it's a boob but we've never addressed it it also makes me think of the Dixie Chicks and how they were taken down for just saying, hey, this war probably isn't a great idea. Now we all agree, yeah, it wasn't the best idea. And yet we don't apologize to them. And it's just like, oh, they messed up. When's the last time we heard from the Dixie Chicks? Exactly. They were blacklisted still to this day. They're playing somewhere. <laughs> There's like a sad banjo <laughs> playing right now somewhere in like Alabama. <laughs> So I have one last thing that'll blow the lid off this Janet Jackson story. I can't believe people don't talk about this. It's insane. So the guy who ran the FCC at the time, Mm -hmm. his name's Michael Powell. He called the situation a classless, crass, deplorable stunt. And then he waged a culture war and he fined CBS Mm $550,000. And TV was policed after that. So soap operas had to change their storylines so they wouldn't be sexual. Victoria's Secret fashion show was canceled. 60 ABC stations decided not to air Saving Private Ryan because they were scared that the script would be too profane and the government would find them. This is like mass hysteria. Yeah, it it's was it crazy. was insane. Were you here? You weren't here. I was not here. Oh, yeah. I watched it from afar thinking, you are all a little bit nuts. Mm-hmm. And Frank Rich of the New York Times said at the time, that it was a wave of self-censorship on American television unrivaled since the McCarthy era. Who knew we were so prudish? Who knew? Yes, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and so back to Michael Powell, this FCC chairman. He, he was just like a dog with a bone over this situation. And later on, he said that he, quote, had to put my best version of outrage on that I could put on. Uh. Redundant and annoying and awful thing to say. So many people thought that his witch hunt was a way to influence the election. 2004 election. Spoiler, the conservatives won on a moral values platform and to distract the nation from the failing Iraq war. Who sold the Iraq war to United Nations Security Council the year before? His dad, Colin Powell. Boom. Ooh, This goes deeper and deeper. This is is a whole conspiracy. Layers. Also, this is... You know what? What if Colin Powell is the one who rigged the bustier... I would not put it past him. <laughs> layers spark, within layers. To spark this whole chain of events. This is a small world full of convenient coincidences. <laughs> no such thing as a coincidence, guys. I feel like Tipper Gore should be part of this right? conversation. If, mm-hmm. if you want to know about Tipper Gore's parental advisory sticker, episode two, we mm-hmm. talk all about it with Emma Silvers. But to just wrap up this conversation, a baby gets life from his mother's breast, right? Yes. And then he grows up learning that that very thing He is or she... Oh, yeah. But probably a man who would grow up thinking that that thing is detestable and that women who don't act in line with that belief must be punished. I just think the whole thing's gross. We owe Janet an apology. And next time you hear someone joking about the situation, because people always joke about it or say, oh, she planned that. and She wanted it as a publicity sense. It's like, would she plan that knowing how America is so prejudiced against women and black women specifically? 
I don't think so. She doesn't want to sell albums that badly. So we all need to apologize. So yeah, think about this when you're watching the halftime show this year and it's really boring. Coldplay's on it. And there's a reason for that. You deserve Coldplay, guys. There's a reason why. Yeah. You, you did this to yourself. Brought this on yourself. We don't deserve Breastage. We don't deserve Janet. She's too good for this world and for the halftime show. Okay, folks, from the sublime to the ridiculous, you are aware, I believe, of my well-documented love of archive celebrity features. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumblings. I love it so much. So my favorite thing to do is go to some kind of uh, yard sale or thrift store and buy up as many old pop culture magazines as I possibly can. I'm obsessed with it because I think it makes me feel like some kind of fortune teller or some kind of time traveler (laughs) when I'm reading like profiles from 1991 of someone who I know has gone on to do X, Y and Z, but the writer doesn't know it at the time and neither do the readers. I just find it so exciting so in that vein I came across I think the best example of this I might have ever read and I really want to share it with you please do and it's topical have you heard of a man called Leonardo DiCaprio is he a painter he is a painter (laughs) he's one of the Fettuccini brothers oh I thought so um well he's obviously in the news right now because he's probably gonna win an Oscar for the Revenant even though he probably shouldn't have you guys seen that I haven't seen it yet but I'm kind of sad about him getting an Oscar probably because there's so many great memes of him lusting after an Oscar so much and like crying while cradling it and those are gonna have to stop yeah that's sad but happy for him I guess Mm, yeah it's kind of a snooze go and watch it I mean it's fun but anyway we must not forget that back in 19 1998, New York Magazine published the most incredible profile of Leonardo DiCaprio, who at the time had just come off the release of Titanic. So he was the biggest thing. It's important to remember that he's not like the Scorsese DiCaprio that you know now. He's not like making The Departed and The Revenant. He's not Shaggy. He's not turning into Jack Nicholson. He was Jack Dawson. He was it. Like the (laughs) youngest, freshest looking guy, baby faced. And people were going nuts for him. So New York Magazine got Nancy Jo Sales, whose name you may recognize because she wrote, what did she write? The Bling Ring. The Bling Ring, (laughs) which is the best book with the worst title ever. It's actually really, really good. Uh, Sophia Coppola made it into a movie. It's about these uh, privileged teens in, I think, Calabasas. Yeah. And there was a whole reality show about this girl that Nancy Jo wrote a feature on. And then they get so mad that Nancy Jo apparently told the truth about how these girls live their lives and don't care about consequences and steal things from rich people that they call her up on the reality show. And they're like, Hi, Nancy Joe. This is Alexis Nyers calling. I just have to say the things you wrote are so untrue and I hate you and you lied. And then her mom comes out of nowhere and starts screaming, you lied. You lied. Stop. You lied. Stop it. Stop it, mom. lied. Stop. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six-inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four-inch little brown BB shoe. $29! Every time you f*** I have to re-record it! It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, go look for it on YouTube. 
thanks to Janet Jackson. So it's phenomenal. Nancy Joe Sales is so good at exactly this kind of thing, like skewering obsession with celebrity Mm. culture. So this profile, it's like almost 6,000 words long. If you Google the title Leo, Prince of the City, New York Magazine, you will stumble across this gigantic long profile. It's insane. I don't know where to start. It basically takes you through the life of Leonardo DiCaprio in 1998 in New York. And it's what um, I didn't actually know was called a write-around, where you don't interview the subject of your profile uh, sometimes they're actually not consciously not available. Okay, I'm sorry. You said how many words and this woman didn't actually talk Six to him? 6,000. And she didn't even talk. That's the longest write around in well, history. Well, she tries to talk to him. She tries to reach out to him. And midway through the article, she gets a call from someone sounding a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio, suggesting that he will grant an interview in return for some kind of favor. It is scandalous. So obviously I combed through this article and I want to bring you the absolute highlights. You're going to love it. Let's get it out of the way. Leonardo DiCaprio's posse at the time, which was a group of privileged young actors, was called the Pussy Posse. (laughs) (laughs) Who else was in the crew? I want to know. Was there any other I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man. I know. David Blaine. What? <laughs> uh, the movie director, Harmony Corrine. Uh, Kevin Connolly from Entourage. Some guy from My Name is Earl. Whoa. <laughs> Slim Pickens in 1998. Lucas Haas. I mean, it's a kind of like, where are they now? And I actually think Jezebel did a pretty good roundup of where where is the posse now and what are they doing? But apparently the big rivalry was between Tobey Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and I quote from the article, Tobey was into more of a Tom Hanks track. Leo was modeling his career after Nicholson and De Niro. So it's set up this rivalry for the ages. Who wins? We all know who wins. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's why I love reading this archive stuff because I know the truth. I know how this feud panned out. You're of the future. I'm a soothsayer. Uh, Another thing I learned about Leonardo DiCaprio, he is notoriously cheap with his money. His friend says, Leo's cheap. He'll look for a place in the street to park rather than use valet parking. Oh my God. <laughs> also, um, Nancy Jo Sales speaks to a waitress who's very annoyed that Leonardo DiCaprio apparently never tips. All the restaurants and nightclubs that he goes to in New York where he is treated like a young king. So Nancy Joe's like rolling around town being like, have you ever met Leo? No. Yeah, um, no, she's basically just going around saying like, hey, you, have you got a story to tell? And it seems that everyone in New York in 1998 has encountered Leonardo DiCaprio and his bunch of what sounds like really drunk, obnoxious frat boys who are getting into scraps. They're kicking stuff over, like throwing grapes at paparazzi, apparently. It's like the Justin Bieber of 1998. So if you're in New York in 1998, you've, you've got had a, a grape Leo. thrown at you by you had, you Leonardo a DiCaprio. Story. So says one highly placed New York publicist, he started acting like an idiot and the publicist wouldn't allow her name to be used in the piece because she says everyone fears his power as if leo were louis the 14th whom he recently played oh my god in man in the iron mask <laughs> yes that was a great film yeah but anyway there were also sexuality rumors flying around mm-hmm. around leonardo dicaprio in a very 1990s gay panic kind of way it's like yeah. a friend's plot i was, I was hoping you would say that yes <laughs> But he was linked to a model called Vanessa Hayden, who in her yearbook was voted most likely to wind up on Ricky Lake. Guess who Vanessa Hayden is now married to? Who? Can we get a clue? The offspring of someone that's in the news right now for being... (gasps) 
Donald Trump's son. Donald Trump Jr. Ding, ding, ding. No. You've got it. Ew. Oh, it's so good. But the absolute highlight slash low light of this whole article, which is insane and you have to read it, is this incredible detail about an event that happened after the premiere of The Man in the Iron Mask, where Elizabeth Berkeley, do you know Elizabeth Berkeley from Showgirls? And Saved by the Bell. Oh, and Saved by the Bell. I just, I keep, she, she will always be Saved by the Bell to me. I don't even, I don't, I don't acknowledge her, her government name. <laughs> she's so excited. She's so excited. She's so scared. Nancy Jo Sales speaks to Elizabeth Berkeley about what happened after The Man in the Iron Mask premiere. Apparently, she goes to the after party and the posse have noticed her. And a publicist says to Elizabeth Berkeley, or suggests that she might like to go back to their place with them and go and hang out. And Elizabeth Berkeley says, I'm here with my boyfriend. We're very much in love. This isn't going to happen. And then the next day, after Elizabeth Berkeley has been, quite frankly, hassled by their publicist to come back with them, she gets a call from the posse or guys who sound like the posse who may or may not include Leonardo DiCaprio. Allegedly. Allegedly. Being quite loud and sexually suggestive. She gets her boyfriend from the other room who comes on the line and says, basically, piss off, stop bothering my girlfriend, showgirls actress Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> and they start screaming down the phone. They're using like homophobic slurs. And they're saying, like, you know, come and have a go. Let, let's, let's fight. So he goes down to some hotel, meets them in the restaurant. Leonardo DiCaprio is there. All these other people are there. Julia Ormond, 90s actress, is also there for some reason. So much period detail. Mm. So the boyfriend of Elizabeth Berkeley is like, what are you guys doing? One of the posse, who is called Jay Ferguson, who I had to look him up, He's on Mad Men now. He's an old child actor. What? He plays Stan Rizzo on Mad Men. And back in the day, he was in The Posse. Oh, gosh. This guy stands up, starts screaming at Elizabeth Berkeley's boyfriend. A fracas ensues. Elizabeth Berkeley's boyfriend gets punched in the throat by an unknown assailant, and his win box has never recovered. This what? is before TMZ. Yeah. There is so much tea in the 90s yeah. that we have no idea Seriously. about. There's so much tea the, that is just waiting to be consumed. The TLDR version is Elizabeth Berkeley, someone tries to pimp her out, and a fight ensues. It is insane. This makes me really not like Leo. He doesn't come across mm. very well. Because well, I thought you you were saying like so someone calls and it might be them, but then they show up. It is them and his friends. It's them, and they get into a big old scrap. And it's all fun and games until someone loses their windpipe. Ah. <laughs> but anyway, everyone should go and read it. It is wonderful. And it's like, it's such a little time capsule. It's a perfect little kind of period piece. I feel about... like my hair crimped while you were reading it. I, I just feel so 90s and like, was crimped hair 90s? It was totally yes. 90s. Yes. All right, cool. Big like, like colorful streaks in the hair. Yeah, and, to yeah. match my slap bracelet. Yes. Yeah. Right. But wait, do you guys not share my insane obsession with archived celebrity pieces? I think you were my gateway drug just then. Interesting. Just now. <laughs> How very convenient. Yes. So the moral of the story is roaming packs of young Hollywood actors are pretty much terrible people. And See we... you on Oscars night. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. See you, Leo. Okay, so I cannot let this week go by without discussing Stacey Loretta Dash. Oh, you use her middle name. I wow. use her You're middle mad. name. 
So I'm sure you guys have heard some of the comments that she's made recently because she's become a Fox News commentator after getting a conservative bob. Have you seen her? And wait, Stacey Dash is the gal who plays Miss Dion in oh, Clueless, right? Oh, is that, is that who she is to you? She That's who she is to me. <laughs> oh, okay, because to me, she is a music video vixen. King Magazine posing. No. Straight to video BET movie watching actress. Oh. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the comments that she made. She has called for BET to be abolished because they only uh, provide awards for black people. Didn't she say it was reverse racist or whatever? Uh, something like that. Because that's a thing. But so let's talk a little bit about the fact that Sam Smith has a BET award and so does Justin Timberlake. Don't get me started on Justin let's right our, so let's It's a sensitive like fact, topic today. Fact, yeah, he's very... Uh, <laughs> Don't pick at yeah. that, Scab. <laughs> yeah. So she said specifically... Either we want to have segregation or integration. And if we don't want segregation, then we need to get rid of channels like BET and the BET Awards and the Image Awards, where you're only awarded if you're black. If it were the other way around, we'd be up in arms. It's Which we are. <laughs> I believe that people are very much up in arms about the current Oscars nomination. Yeah. So uh, as you can imagine, Twitter has roasted her. Her own cousin, Dame Dash, has also roasted her. Um, and Gabrielle Union has roasted her in the most classy way. Who's that? Who's Stacey Dash? I, I heard of a crazy lady once, maybe last week, but I don't know what her name is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like why there's a need for the birth of a nation and why there's a need for the Country Music Awards and, and the Alma Awards. If you don't see yourself reflected in mainstream awards, you tend to create your own. The more that we uh, focus on inclusion and a true representation of this country, I think that crazy lady will have less to say. That's how it's done. That is how Uh, it's done. But wait, so she's being very calculated here, right? She knows that, you know, she needs a new space to occupy and she can get that attention and that make that money by providing a provocative opinion that people are not expecting because it's her. So that was one thing that I was wondering when I heard the comments. I'm like, does she genuinely believe this? Or is she sort of trying to rebrand herself and repurpose herself in this newfound career as a, you know, conservative political commentator? So in that vein, I have a little game (gasps) I'd like to play. She has been equated to Ann Coulter by her cousin, Dame Dash. So I thought it would be (laughs) fun to play a little game called Coulter Dash, in which I share quotes with you. And you two have to determine whether or not Stacey Loretta Dash has made the statement Mm -hmm. or if famed commentator Ann Coulter has made the statement. That was a polite way of dealing with that. (laughs) Round one. What I find astounding is that we've had a black president who is in office for the past eight years who gets most of his funding from the liberal elite in Hollywood. Anne or Stacey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Anne Coulter. Same, same. You would be wrong. Whoa! That is Stacey Dash. Oh, Stacey. That is Stacey Loretta Dash. Miss Dion. Okay. God. Vote for Romney, the only choice for your future. Okay, I got it. Stacey Dash. Um. (laughs) Use your powers, Emmanuel. Okay. You can do it. Stacey. It is Stacey Dash. You are correct. What a time to be alive. Okay. All pretty girls are right-wingers. Oh, God. Well, Anne Colt is really pretty, so... Right? Maybe it's... I'm going to go with Stacey. 
It is actually Ann Coulter. Yes. Use <laughs> oh, my feminine intuition. <laughs> Do you care that the Jay Z's have taken the money you have given them and funded a communist regime? <clears throat> Ann Coulter, no question. Yeah, Stacy doesn't know the word regime. An all communist. <laughs> it's actually Stacy Dash. No! <laughs> okay. Why not go to war just for oil? We need oil. What do Hollywood celebrities imagine fuels their private jets? How do they think their cocaine is delivered to them? Whoa. I mean, I would jump to conclusions that it was Stacey Dash because I don't think she has a private jet and I frankly doubt she's ever been on one. So I maybe sense a tinge of envy there. But I still think it's Anne Coulter. So you picked both? <laughs> no, I, I I set my car towards Stacy and then I swerved at the last minute into Ann Coulter. Okay, Stacy. Ann Coulter. Yes. I suck at this game. <laughs> I'm the best. Okay, minorities feel worthless. They are uneducated. I mean, as long as you are that way, Democrats can keep you under control. Ann. Stacy. Stacy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know Dion at all. <laughs> okay. My man is satisfied. That is mm-hmm. the best line from Clueless. <laughs> she also does not wear polyester hair. Just so you know. <laughs> Okay. I think there should be a literacy test and a poll tax for people to vote. Anne. Anne. Anne, you got that right. This is in response to Patricia Arquette's statements uh, at 2015 Oscars where she called for pay equality and for us to close the gender gap. Quote, I didn't get the memo that I don't have rights. Stacy. Stacy. Stacy, you're right. I think she genuinely <laughs> thinks Hollywood still operates on a memo system as well. Yeah. Um, and so either Stacy or Anne made this comment and was suspended from Fox News when talking about Obama's response to terrorism. Uh-oh. I felt like Obama could give a bleep. Excuse me. He could care less about terrorism. Stacy. Anne. Stacy. Oh, my winning streak is not winning anymore. So now that we've done that little quiz, I think that we should close out with a Kanye song in which Stacy Dash was featured in the music video. No, she was not in a Kanye West song. She no. was the uh, no. she was the video girl for Kanye West's video All Fall Down. All right, take it away Kanye cuz I can't with Stacy anymore. <laughs> They hate us, floss cause they the greatest. We trying to buy back our 40 acres. And for that paper, look how low we are stoop. Even if you in a bench, you still a nigga. Come on, come on. And when it falls down, who you gonna call now? Come on, come on. And when it all falls down. So we end every episode with a song that we can't stop listening to. That we do. For me, it is Zane's Zingle. <laughs> Pillow talk. So I've been waiting for this forever. And by forever, I mean like four months. Can I ask a question? Are they calling it a single or did you just call it a single? Oh, that's what, what I call it. it. Okay. Zane's Zane single. single. Trademark. Haven't heard it yet. I can't wait to hear it. So since you haven't heard it yet, I'll describe it before we listen to it. Please do. Give me Basically, a it's about Zane mm-hmm. hanging out in bed all day with his boo. And sometimes they fight and sometimes they do the other F word. <gasps> And he says the F word in it. Mm. This is not One Direction anymore. It's not. Mm-mm. Yeah, he says, like, it's a paradise or a war zone. And then it's just 
polar opposites. They're fighting, they're effing, and they're pissing off the neighbors. It's a big linchpin of the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. So it's about to be your new favorite song. You're welcome. Zexy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen. That's our episode for this week. Thanks to David Marcus, Howard Gelman, Seal Muller, and to you guys. Yay! Oh, thanks. Love you guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.